0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. The outline of this message, speaker, message title, and series can be found in the show notes or the details page. Be sure to check us out on Facebook or on our church website at Bethlehem505.com. And now, here is the message. So hope is alive, and uh, I'm going to tell in the message today just a little part of, uh, of the story that that song just shared about uh, Mary coming to the tomb. I'm going to name a few characters uh, from a TV show, and uh, I want you to tell me what that TV show is, all right? So a couple of characters in that show are Ernie, Guy Smiley, Rosita. Kermit. Cookie Monster? There we go. There we go. Now, guy smiley, who is, well, that was the reporter. We know Cookie Monster, don't we? We know, we know Kermit. Pretty easy. But who remembers Mr. Hooper from Sesame Street? You remember him? Mr. Hooper? He wasn't, uh, he wasn't a puppet. He was a real life guy. Was on the show for 13 years. Uh, his real name was Will Lee. And died of a heart attack back in 1982, which caused a problem for the producers of Sesame Street. How were they going to explain death to 10 million children? Now, they could have come up with a story that said Mr. Hooper retired to Florida. But instead, they decided to to take it head on and, and tell the truth. But being public television, they sure weren't going to bring any religion into it. So on the day of the show, Big Bird comes walking out with a picture that he had drawn for Mr. Hooper. And he said, Boy, I can't wait to see Mr. Hooper. And one of the characters said, Well, remember, Big Bird? We told you that Mr. Hooper died. And Big Bird said, Oh, yeah, I I forgot. Well, well, I'll give it to him when he gets back. And that other character wrapped her arms around Big Bird and said, Big Bird, Mr. Hooper isn't coming back. When people die, they don't come back. And Big Bird asked, they never come back? And she said, never. Well, the gospel according to Sesame Street is not good news at all, is it? But the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, is indeed good news because it teaches us that there is life after death, that people do come back at the resurrection when Christ returns, and that's what we celebrate today, that Jesus came back from the dead. But when he did, it set off a chain reaction. When it was discovered that the tomb of Jesus was empty, people started running all over the place. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture? Men, women, soldiers, all running around trying to find answers to their questions and figure out what was going on. They didn't know why the tomb was empty. They didn't know where the body of Jesus was. So they all started Running in different directions trying to figure it out. Now, Jesus had told his disciples, actually many times, that he would rise from the dead. They just never quite got it. Now, they had seen Jesus die. They knew he had been buried in a tomb. So hearing that the tomb was empty, man, they were confused, they were lost, they were heartbroken. But the good news is that every time Jesus met somebody after the resurrection. They stopped their running. And Jesus helped them to understand, to believe what was taking place. Man, he poured hope and joy and purpose back into their lives. And one of those people who was running around on that Sunday morning was Mary Magdalene. She came from a small fishing village called Migdal, On the coast of the Sea of Galilee, she was a small-town girl whose name really wasn't Mary, but in Aramaic, it was Miriam. So technically, she was Miriam from Migdal. And we see her first in Scripture when she's mentioned in a list of female disciples who followed Jesus. Uh, We're told that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her, and boy, wouldn't you follow Jesus too if he'd cast seven demons out of you. And although it was unheard of for a rabbi to have female disciples, Jesus allowed Mary to follow him along with a bunch of other women. And every time those women are listed in the Gospels, Mary is first on the list. Well, Scripture tells us that she came to the tomb of Jesus early on that Sunday morning after the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus And the reason she came was she was going to anoint the the dead body of of Jesus. It's interesting. She was the last one at the cross and the first one at the tomb. But being the first one at the tomb, there wasn't anybody else there to help her roll the stone away. She had no idea what she was going to do, but she just knew she had to be there. She knew she had to do something because her rabbi, her, her teacher... Her Lord deserved her best. And man, when he died on that Friday, her whole world just fell apart. I'm sure she lost her joy. Life probably became very very empty for her at that point. And when she found that the tomb was empty, she took off running. Running to tell the disciples that the body of Jesus isn't in the tomb. And then the next hour or so, Mary would have to answer three questions. And it might be that we here this morning need to answer one, two, or maybe all three of these questions as well, because we too might be running around trying to figure out what's going on in this crazy, mixed-up world. Some of us, like Mary, may have lost our joy in life. Some of you may be wondering where Jesus is, or if he can even be found. So what are the questions that Mary had to answer? Well, the first one was this. Why are you crying? Now, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20, if you want to follow along uh, in that today. Uh, starting in verse number 1. These might be familiar words, but let's look at them again. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the tomb, or that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that would be John, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And then down to verse number 12. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, one the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Well, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Isn't it interesting that Mary was asked the same question by both the angels and by Jesus? Now, the angels, they, they probably asked out of curiosity. They, they might have thought, well, this human being here should know that Jesus is alive. He had told them that he would be alive, so why is she crying? But then Jesus, I bet he asked out compassion. I'm sure he loved Mary, and although he knew why she was weeping, could it be he wanted her to face her heartache and, and admit why she was so upset? Well, she did that, as she honestly said, they've taken my Lord away. Could it be that Jesus is asking us the same question that he asked Mary? Why Why are you crying? Some of you may be hurting today. Deep down inside, you're, you're weeping. Maybe like Mary, you have shed tears in the cemetery and you miss your loved one dearly. Or maybe you've recently been given a a bad diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe you're weeping over your children. The the list is endless of why some of us might be weeping today. Today. But the good news here on Easter Sunday morning is that Jesus cares about us. And the promise of Psalm 30 verse 5 still rings true today where it says weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And Mary experienced that joy when she met the risen Lord and we can experience that same joy as well. Our tears can be dried Because our risen Lord promises to care for us, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us strength, to face all that this lousy life can throw at us. So Jesus not only asked Mary, why are you crying? But then he asked her a second question. Look at verse number 15. Who are you looking for? Well, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Man, I love that last little phrase. Have you ever thought about that or noticed it? I will get him. No, oh, I, I assume Mary was just an average-sized woman. And for her to say that she would go pick up the dead body of a grown man... Who had been covered with 75 pounds of spices and bring him back to his, to his grave. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful statement of love and devotion? Now remember her state of mind here. Her, her hopes had been shattered, her joy was most likely gone, her life was suddenly very empty, oh, but oh, she still loved Jesus. I'll go get him! Man, what a beautiful statement of devotion. And at that point, Jesus couldn't conceal himself any longer, and he speaks her name. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Isn't it good to know that Jesus knows our name? If you're hurting today, if you're weeping today, if you're searching today, take comfort in the truth. That Jesus knows you by name. That he cares about you. That he wants to help you find what you're looking for. So he asks us, like he asked Mary, who or what are you looking for? Because we're all looking for something, aren't we? But we're all looking for answers, for purpose, for truth. We're looking for peace, for joy, for a reason to get up in the morning. Some of you may be looking to be better husbands or wives. Some of you may be looking for a husband or a wife. I don't know. But we're looking to be better parents, better students. We might be looking for healing, for a better paying job, or maybe any job at all at this point. It seems like we're always looking for something. But whatever it is you're looking for, it all begins with Jesus Christ. Now, you'd expect a preacher to say that, but friends, it's true. A lot of people go through life just constantly searching and looking when all the while Jesus is standing right in front of them going, hey, Hello, I'm here to help you. Now Mary could have ignored this man in the garden, asking her all these questions. She could have kept running around, crying and carrying on, feeling empty and sad, trying to figure it out on her own. And where would that have gotten her? Absolutely nowhere. And friends, that's the same place we'll get if we ignore Jesus. We'll just keep running around, trying to figure out life on our own, and that just doesn't work. But when we admit that Jesus is what we need, first and foremost, that's when things start to come together. That's when Jesus can help us and give us what we're looking for. And then we'll be ready to answer the third question that Mary was faced with that Easter morning. And really, this is the most important question of them all. Now, she wasn't actually asked this question specifically in Scripture, but it sure was implied. As she stood before Jesus, that third question was simply this, how will I respond to the risen Lord? Again, Jesus couldn't, couldn't, hide his identity from her any longer or or he he just needed to open her eyes he said to her there in verse 16 Mary and look at her response verse 16 she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic Rabboni which means teacher and Jesus said do not hold on to me so I imagine she just fell at his feet and grabbed hold of him he said oh do, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene, I bet she ran again, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord! So just like Mary, there's one last question that we need to answer, and that is, how will I respond? to the risen Lord? Will I fall at his feet? Will I surrender to him as the master of my life? You you see, the the fact that Jesus rose from the dead requires a response. Now, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is one of the most Provable and verifiable facts in human history. So it requires a response. We can't just say, eh, I don't believe it. Eh, that can't be true. No, the evidence doesn't allow us to say that. So we need to respond to Jesus, the risen Jesus. And the only rational response is to do what Mary did, just fall at his feet and call him Lord. If you look at verse 16 again, notice that little phrase, she turned toward him. Now she thought this guy was the gardener. You know, she's crying, she's a mess. May not even be able to see through the tears very good. Then there's some guy, you know, she didn't expect it to be Jesus because he was dead. And so some guy's over here talking to her. Why, what are you crying for, lady? You know? She thought I was the gardener. But when Jesus said, Mary, that, that sounds a little more familiar. How did he know my name? And she turned toward him. And I imagine that when, when she turned and looked at Jesus, I bet she stopped and wiped the tears out of her eyes, And she gave him a good, hard look. And when she did, she realized who it was. And she made her response. Now, she could have said, well, there's no way this is Jesus. I saw him die. I saw him buried. This isn't him. But no, that wasn't her response. She took a good, hard look at this guy. (gasps) Rabboni! Teacher! And fell at his feet. Now, I would assume that most of us here this morning have fallen at the feet of Jesus symbolically. Most of us have made Jesus our Lord and Savior. Most of us here this morning are Christians. But maybe there are some here who aren't. If you're not a follower of Jesus, let me challenge you here today to examine the evidence. Take a Bible, I'm sure the church will give you one if you don't have one. Just read the book of John. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read John, just just read it. And see what it says about Jesus. And then there's other books that you could read. Uh, Books such as The Case for Christ, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, books that were written by men who set out to disprove Jesus as the Son of God. But the more they studied and researched and and faced the facts and took a good, hard look at Jesus, these men went from being atheists and agnostics to Christians. And they wrote books about it. I'm sure that that Tom or Lene or Noah or even myself, one of the leaders here at the church, could point you in the right direction to to get a hold of these type of books. Or you say, well, I I don't like to read, that's not my thing. Well, then just take a look at some of the lives of the people here at the Bethlehem Church of Christ. People of their own admission, I'm sure, who would say, hey, You should have known me before I was a Christian. I was a rascal, I was a drunk, I was a womanizer, I was lost in sin, but when I met Jesus, he completely changed me, and you can't deny that. All I know is that when you turn toward Jesus and take a good, hard look at him, I think you're going to say, hey, this has to be the Son of God. I do Believe, and then you'll respond like Mary did. So on that first resurrection morning, Mary was asked three questions as she experienced three things. She experienced sorrow, then seeking, and then surrender. And maybe, maybe you can relate to those things. Maybe you're going through a time of sorrow right now maybe you're in a season of searching. You're trying to figure out what's true, what's real, if this Christianity stuff is, is what it says it is. Or maybe you haven't surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Well, let me tell you, friends, wherever you are, Jesus will meet you right there, and he'll change your life. Just try. Some years ago, some missionaries in Bangladesh were showing the the Jesus film to several hundred villagers and the people. They'd never seen this before. And they sat there enthralled at the life of Jesus. But then as they got toward the end of the movie and started watching the scenes of Jesus being beaten and whipped and crucified... They started crying and gasping and yelling. And then when Jesus died on that cross and was buried, those missionaries said that chaos literally broke out. The people there in the village were just going crazy until one of their own men who knew of Jesus stood up and said, don't be afraid, I've seen this. He gets up again. <laughs> friends, that's the simple gospel message that you can tell to your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. Hey, don't be afraid. I've, I've seen it. I've read it. I've seen it. He gets up again. And I don't care what Sesame Street says. People do come back from the dead. Jesus did. And because he did, Mary's empty life was made full again, and her sorrow was turned to joy, and the same can be true for each one of us. If you're running through life right now, trying to figure out what's true, what's worth living for, or if your joy is gone, or if you just don't know if you're going to make it through another year, Wherever you might be, please know that the tomb was empty, but your life doesn't have to be. What's the old songwriter say? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever I gotta face in this life, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And it can indeed be well with your soul because Jesus, as we celebrate today, rose from the grave. He can dry your tears. He can give you what you're looking for if you'd simply stop your running around and respond to him as the risen Lord. And we're going to give you a chance right now. Worship team, come on up. If if you've never responded to Jesus as the risen Christ, as the Son of God who came, lived a life of perfection, but was still put to death on an old rugged cross, but was buried and then on Sunday morning rose up. if, If you've never responded to Jesus as the risen Son of God, you can do that right here this morning. The Bible tells us simple steps of faith that we take. First thing is you believe this to be true. When you take that good hard look at Jesus, you say, yeah, I believe that. And that ought to, as we've seen in the book of Acts chapter 2, the people heard about Jesus who had been crucified. It says they were cut to the heart. That ought to cause us to, to weep and say, man, what must I do to be saved And Peter told them there in Acts 2, hey, repent, change. Don't live a life of sin anymore, but let God change you. and Go live a godly, holy life. And then confess, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm willing to be baptized into Christ where the grace of God washes all of my nasty sins away, doesn't remember them anymore, and He fills me with His Holy Spirit, so I can go out and live a brand new, purpose-driven life. And what a greater day to be buried and to be raised up than on Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus being buried and being raised. That's what baptism's a picture of. Well, if you've never taken these steps of faith, we invite you to do that right here today. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's Word and follow His Son, Jesus Christ.